0: This podcast number 788 with Jane Call is brought to you by author Doug Holliday, the author of a new book entitled Rethinking Success, Eight Essential Practices for Finding Meaning and Work in Life. Please join Doug and Greg on podcast number 785, where they discuss the illusion we have around success and how our personal stories frequently hold us back from achieving the success we deserve. Our story is the central show in living a life of meaning and it is so important that we awaken to what we are doing emotionally that colors our world with either happiness or despair. Please listen to this deep and engaging dialogue about how the eight practices can lift us to new heights in finding more meaning in our work and life. If you want to learn more about Doug Holiday, please go to www.dougholiday.com. Thanks for listening and enjoy this inspiring podcast about rethinking success. Welcome back to Inside Personal Growth. This is Greg Voice and the host of Inside Personal Growth. And Jane, as I do every time I come on one of these shows, I have to thank my listeners because without those listeners, I wouldn't have a podcast show. And every day it amazes me. More and more people, maybe it's because of the pandemic, are wanting to do podcasts and more and more people are interested in the podcasts, and it's just really wonderful. And joining us from New Zealand, um, we do have guests from around the world, is Jane Call. Jane, good day, or I should say good morning to you down there. It's a Wednesday morning there and Tuesday afternoon here. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you for having
1: me on the podcast, Greg. It's a big
0: honor. Well, you're quite welcome to be on, and we're going to be talking about uh, one of your books, although Jane has many books out, and I want to mention them so that my listeners can know about them. She's got, the one we're going to be speaking about today is called What the F? Question, exclamation mark, mark. and I'll let you fill in what the F stands for. How Am I Thinking? A Thinking Tool for Change. Another one called The Circularity of Life and Essential Shift for Sustainability. And another one called Living Systems, an Introductory Guide to the Theories of Humberto. Now, you pronounce his last name for me. Mon- Meturano. Meturano mm-hmm. and Francisco Valera. Valera. Yeah. 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 So you've studied under those two gentlemen. But We have the pleasure of having Jane on, and Jane, I'm going to let my listeners know a little bit about you. She's an author, a speaker, consultant on thinking tools for change, and boy, do we need that today. Um, She's the author of Living Systems, as I said. She's the author of the book we're going to be talking about, What the F! Uh, Exclamation, She's an expert on the theories of living systems, and in particular, the biology of cognition, the groundbreaking work of renowned Chilean biologist and system thinker, Dr. Humberto Morena. And in her, yeah, I'm probably going to mess that up. (laughs) And in her third book, What the F? Question, exclamation, how am I thinking? Jane switches from sustainability and the big picture back to ourselves to address a problematic way of thinking and to provide a solution for change. She addresses the root of our problems, what she calls attachment thinking, which we're going to be talking about, raising awareness of the universality of what shows up when we do to the kind of thinking and what the solution is. Uh, Jane was associate editor of the Journal of Applied Systems Study, a biannual academic journal dedicated to applied system theories, and is part of the Great Transition Initiative, an international network of scholars and activists that analyze alternative scenarios and chart a path to a hopeful future. And She is down in New Zealand, so it's great to have you on the show. It's always wonderful to have an author like yourself joining us because we get a different perspective uh, from around the globe. And, you know, in this book, you sent it to me, and I was reviewing the book, and in your introduction, you state that it is our problem thinking that is creating our problems that we blame our stress and anxiety on external factors and we don't look at what is driving these and other fear-related emotions or destructive thought patterns. So what kind of thinking is this question? And also, you also have a new empowering thinking tool that helps us to become aware of this kind of thinking and snaps us out of it and returns us back to our calm and normal self, where we do different kind of thinking, what you call reflective thinking, the solution to attachment thinking. Um, so Jane, why don't we just start there? Because I think that's a great place for our listeners to get an introduction to your book. And the other p- point is, is that they need to understand these concepts between the two different kinds of thinking.
1: Yes, that's right. Absolutely. Um, so this is um, a very uh, so. In the interview today, we're, we're going to uh, get into talk about um, the insights that I've gleaned from both types of thinking. So, it, with um, attachment thinking, so what it is is that it's fear-based thinking, and we do it when we hold on to our thoughts, and we create um, fear-based emotions and thoughts or thought passions. And um, what is amazing is that when we come back to ourselves, we don't do that kind of thinking and we do a different type of thinking which is called reflective thinking. So in reflective thinking, we don't hold on to our thoughts and we don't create fear-based emotions and thoughts. And when we come back to ourselves, we will notice um, that we come back to our natural state, which is trust. So, And what's amazing is that in attachment thinking, it is the source for the generator of um, negative thoughts and emotions. So, um, and what's incredible is that when we hold on and we create these emotions, because normally what we don't see is how we are creating our experiences and our emotions. And so it's essential that people understand um, how we do that through how we think.
0: Yeah, it's you know, you talk about the subconscious, right? And there's so much going on underneath the layers for people. And, you know, how this book came about was really quite interesting. And you write it and you said what led you to write this book was a reflective conversation with a ski and yoga instructor in Switzerland. Uh, (laughs) You came to the realization that autonomy is balance in life. So I thought tell the story and why you believe having people know how they are thinking is really so important. It's not the fact that we think it's really what goes on in the subconscious mind about how we're thinking. So when you look at reflective thinking versus attachment thinking, you know, the whole concept Jane of attachment reminds me of the Buddhist philosophy, you know, don't get attached. They tell you in Buddhism to release yourself from attachment to all material possessions. And you yes. know, when you think about it, that's also what you're trying to do is release yourself from that subconscious uh story that's being told underneath there that you're living, which isn't reality anyway. So tell us about the two types of thinking and why you thought this book was so important to write. Oh um so there's a lot in, in just just
1: in what you said. Um, first off I want to say that um because this is this is also a very important awareness to be aware of which is that we do thinking so thinking is something that we do so it's the mind is actually a metaphor for the process of thinking but the mind is not responsible for thinking we are because we we do thinking in language so it's something that we do it's a behavior so um so I just wanted to raise that as a key awareness because it, then it becomes an awareness of what we're doing and that we have to take responsibility for what we're doing. If we say that it's the mind, then we don't take responsibility for how we're um, generating or creating or constructing our thoughts in language and what we create as a result. But we'll get more into that in a little bit further on. Um, so when I left Australia to, um, to go skiing, and um, I met this um, incredible woman uh, who was, uh, as you said, a um, a skiing yoga instructor. And um, we had this incredible conversation because I was really struggling um, emotionally uh, when I was travelling. And um, so we had a big conversation about um, balance in life. And then I figured out that there's two extremes, which is feeling stressed and anxious. Um, and then being, so when we go into being, we we usually do that through meditation. Uh, We might, um, you know, go for walks along the beach or, you know, there's several tools out there to take us into being. And then I thought to myself, well, um, you know, when we go into being, because I've had those experiences, um, I, I recognized that you can't be productive in that state. So, and you know, we have things to do in our lives, etc. So, I said to her, "Well, they're two extremes, you know. So there has to be a build, um, a middle point, which is autonomy." So then I started to do some reflecting on what it, what autonomy was experientially, and then I realised it's like, oh my god, like it's it's actually. Um, our natural state. So when we, when we go into being, the, the state that we create when we, you know, like when we do meditation or something like that, it's actually a false state because what happens is that we then go back, it will only have a duration and then we'll go back to being stressed and anxious and so on and so forth. So in the end, it doesn't work and it's not a solution. So then I realized that, um, You know, we had to break, or I had to break the cycle of being stressed and anxious. But at that time, when I had that conversation with her, um, I didn't have the awareness of um, attachment thinking. It had more to do with the emotions. But it wasn't until later on that I had many conversations with other um, incredible random conversations. And then I recognized that uh, what the core mechanism was for, in our thinking. And so what we do to create those emotions and, um, and then how to return back to yourself where we don't um, create those emotions and thoughts.
0: Yeah. And I think the most important point that you make actually was one of the last statements is returning to self or understanding self, right? And, you know, this work, Um, you credit much of what you learned here and you mention it in the background and expertise lies in the conceptual and experiential understandings of the work of Humberto Matriana based on a body of work called theories of living systems. Now this book is based on the biology of cognition and the construct of language um, that we as human beings use. Um, Can you tell the listeners more about not only his work, but your work and how it's influenced you and how you actually bring this out to people? Because, look, right now we're speaking. This is our language, you and I. We're telling a story here. Our listeners are listening to this. And the way we communicate is through story. Uh, And these are stories that we tell ourselves, some of them might be real because we believe they're real some of them aren't real at all um, but let's go ahead forward and at least give the construct of the work that's been done on cognition okay so um, actually I just wanted to backtrack a little bit before
1: I get into that um, because the, the point that I wanted to make in relation to um, attachment thinking was one of the key insights again through a a conversation with somebody else uh, a friend of mine in Sweden actually uh, so it was the fact that when we do attachment thinking we create the same emotions and thoughts no matter what language we speak or where we live in the world so so this is incredible because we think that we're alone in our suffering um, particularly uh, you know, when we're suffering from stress and anxiety or pain and suffering, you know, so we think that we're alone in that, but actually we're not because everybody does it. So, I, anyway, I just wanted to mention that. Um, so, to come back to Humberto Metrobrana, um, so his work is extremely profound and because they're insights into what we do as biological living systems. We are, bi- we are biological human beings and um so the biology of cognition is an awareness of what we do in language so it's an awareness that we live in language as biological living systems so therefore when we live in language it means that we construct our realities and our experience and our worldviews in um in language so therefore our society, if you wish, is a human social construct. And um, so that awareness alone um, has had a huge impact on my life because I have to take full responsibility for what I construct in language. So, um, but then there's also another very essential element to all of this, which is the emotions. And so... Um, as the emotions change, our language changes. And as the language changes, our emotions changes. So it's a um, it's a
0: circular process, if you wish. But so, can I ask you a question here? Maybe just sure. to break it up a bit. But, sure. you know, our world, Jane, as, as I see it and many people see it, is just a collective construct of our imaginations. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously we've made it up. And so even you know when you talk about this pandemic you have mm-hmm. to look at it and go well did we make this up yeah. you know and the reality is is that you know everything we create from all this technology look at how you and I are now interviewing one another and all of the wonderful things that have happened in this world is this collective imagination and construct of, of what we've created so that's the systems that that kind of, I see it. And my question for you is really, do you see it that way? Um, I think uh, I'm trying to think of the author that's so famous for this, this whole concept right now. Um, But I will get to it uh, because I've mentioned him on a couple of shows uh, prior, but you can proceed forward. But I just wanted to throw that in there because I think, you know, it's like, we're people living on playing roles on stages in the play. And we remove, we come off of the stage and we go on the stage and we go on the stage and off the stage. And people are watching us and they're making judgments about who we are and what we do. Once we realize that's the case, we awaken to what we really can do and who we really want to become. And I'm just curious if that might resonate with you. I think that um, to address the, f- the first point about COVID-19,
1: I've learned a lot from this. And um, I think one of the key things is how uh, through social media, if you pay attention to the emotion of um, the whole situation, <coughs> it's fear-based. <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. And so therefore people were panicking loads like all of us were were stressed and anxious I was here too in New Zealand and um and I did a lot of reflecting on it and I thought to myself it's incredible how um we coordinate in the emotions so and we we can we can we do that either consciously or unconsciously so I think that um and then and then of course you have along with that you have all these theories, all these conspiracy theories, which, you know, um, as to where it started from, what's behind it, who's behind it, what's to be gained from the situation, um... And then you start to say, "Well, well, hang on, they're all fear-based as well." And so, ultimately, we never really know the truth. And and the truth is also relative to what we buy into in terms of constructs or what what people's explanations are. So, um, so therefore, um, the truth, you know, in a way, is kind of um, subjective. It depends on what we buy into as to whether it becomes truth or not, or yeah. or in fact, or in fact um reality. You know, reality is consensual, if you understand what I'm saying. So we so in a conversation, for example, somebody will say, Oh, you know, blah 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 and then I'll go, Oh, well, yeah, I agree with that. Or that's true. So therefore it becomes a reality. It becomes a consensual reality that we Correct. both agree on. Uh, but 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 when you look at it ultimately it's they're constructs in language and it's just something that we agree on consensually
0: in language. That's mm-hmm. what we do. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, and, and I want to get to this point that you make about Groundhog's Day. I'm just going to use it as Groundhog's yeah. Day. You That's know, you right. mentioned that in the attachment thinking, we hold on and suppress unconsciously past experiences mm-hmm. and that these will repeat as a cyclical pattern. Uh, and that when we do this kind of thinking, what well, we're talking about attachment thinking, because that's the cyclical kind, how do we become aware of these unconscious patterns, and what are some of the indicators and in how we break them? I know you mentioned that these are just patterns repeating and that they only become real when we try to suppress and control the patterns. So if you're saying that the patterns are not real, And we only create this and relieve the past as patterns in this kind of thinking. So how are you helping people actually get down to and relieve those patterns? I know one of them is to just say this term, what the F-U-C-K, right? And, And you're saying that awakens them. Um, okay. So I think there's a couple of points in
1: here. Um, this awareness for me, this is one of actually, um, I'm getting triggered right now. Um, this is one of the the key awarenesses that I had, um, many years ago before I even wrote the book. And I thought to myself when I became aware, I was, uh, I I had, and I, because I knew I was onto something here and, I thought to myself, I, ha- I have to write the book. Like, that's it. I have to write it. So um, the awareness, and I think this is so profound and it shows how powerful we are as human beings to create a past through attachment thinking that is painful, um, is traumatic, that we suffer from, like in terms of, you know, like grief, um, um, tremendous pain and suffering. And um, when when we reflect on our experiences, you will see that, that when we go into attachment thinking, when we do it, then we what we actually do is that we create a future and we create a past. And it will usually be that we're running from the past into the future. So this happens for everybody when we do attachment thinking. So... And what is amazing is that we generate these patterns. And you are absolutely correct that the patterns aren't real. It's the fact that we've held on to and suppressed something that's happened to us, and it's that pattern that just keeps repeating. So it's the emotions that repeat. It's what happens that repeats. Um, and then there will be all these sorts of uh, constructs around and emotions around what happened. But what's in- incredible is that when you come back to yourself, the past is not there. So this is very, 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 very profound. In my and I, it, it
0: is because you're, you're saying when you come back to yourself, I think the yep. issue is most people, because of these patterns don't know who they are. Now, the statement of just saying, you don't know who you are. And most people say, Greg, you're, you're crazy. I know who I am. I'm <laughs> Greg. Or I'm Jane. And what we're saying is that we're this bundle of emotions. We're this bundle of suppressed uh, feelings that yes. this literally makes up a story. And we begin to believe the story. You know? Yes. I always used to say when I was getting my degree in master's in spiritual psychology, they used to mm-hmm. say, Jane, you don't have to believe everything you think. Mm-hmm. And I love the statement because it, it really is true about what you're talking about here. People mm-hmm. think something, but does that mean you have to believe that thought? It's a mm-hmm. thought. It has it's nothing. More, it's a thought. Right? <laughs> it's so, a constructing language. It's a constructing language. So you state that this meditation and other mechanisms don't work as good as this tool. Like, look, there's a lot of people out there that have been on the show and they say tapping, right? Yes. Uh, You know, we have lots of people that say tap your chest or tap a certain part of your body to create awareness. You basically Mm -hmm. have just this statement, this tool that just says, you know, I'm going to say it. Say what the fuck? Meaning, is it real?
1: Yeah.
0: and that tool, you say, awakens people when they catch themselves doing this um, attachment thinking versus yeah. autonomy and reflective thinking. And I think it's so true. Yeah, it really is. Um, yeah. So what what would you say if people get caught in that? Look, you're run by the emotions. but This has been used a zillion times. You probably heard it. Go down the road. You get road rage. Somebody cuts you off in the car. You want to flip them off and you're angry at them. And it's truly, you're like a dog. You're just an emotion. It's just emotions controlling you. There's no logic to it. People get in road rage. They kill one another here in the United States. We have that happen frequently. I don't think in Australia as much. But the reality is, how stupid? How Mm -hmm. stupid is that, right? Uh, Maybe stupid isn't even a good enough word. It's just completely illogical, right? Yep. So I say, you're saying, say what the... F and look at it and say, wow, what am I doing to myself?
1: Yeah, exactly. Right?
0: Exactly. Right. So you say,
1: think, become, go you
0: say to become aware of the habitual unconscious thinking and break the cycle and move to autonomy, reflecting thinking, we use the tool. We've yeah. talked about the tool. Is there any way you can tell us how to use that tool or to know that tool is there? Yeah, um, so I just want to
1: backtrack a little bit again. So when we do attachment thinking, it's incredible what happens, you know, because we generate the emotion and then we become the emotion and we become the thought, you know, th- like that's, what ha- that's literally experientially what happens is that we become the emotion and we become um, the thought or, you know, we want to blame and we want to punish and we want to do all those things particularly in the emotion of anger. So to be aware that this is what we do and this is how we become and these are the patterns that we create is essential if we are to break the cycle of this habitual unconscious thinking. So the the what-the-fuck tool is to, um, well, there's a couple of things here. So there's the tool and there's the indicators. So the indicators are really important for when, so that people know when they're in and doing attachment thinking. So um, so I'll just give some brief um, um, indicators. So some of the indicators um, from an emotional point of view are stress, anxiety, fear, anger, frustration, resentment, Um um, so, And we'll notice when, you know, our way of being is um, is fear primarily. And so, therefore, some of the constructs or the patterns that show up when we do that kind of thinking, uh, you're not good enough, you don't deserve, um, you can't do something, um, they're just some things. And also, when making choices and decisions, um, we'll go around in circles, we'll be in doubt and confusion our thinking changes to tunnel vision thinking. Um, so there's a whole range of consequences that go on when we do that kind of thinking. So when we become aware of the indicators, we use the the tool, what the fuck, to wake ourselves up and go, Oh, I'm in I'm doing attachment thinking again. And then we say the other word, which is autonomy, to bring us back to our calm. And normal selves, where we do reflective thinking. So, so it's an awareness that the tool and the indicators are an awareness of when we're in attachment thinking, and then and then using the tools to snap you out of and to bring you back into autonomy and back into reflective thinking.
0: Well, it in it, I'm sure that it works. Uh, the key is is that um, you you have to be aware and awake yes. to that's yes. what's going on. And yes. I think this whole thing is about our level of awareness. I always tell if people want to change or they want to transform, the, the heightened state of awareness that's being created, no matter what it is that does that, is really what creates that transformation. Because if you're not aware and you're totally unaware, you're acting on subconscious again. You're going right back to the same old pattern as you did before. So you state that attachment thinking, another destructive element is the denial of love. And so look, love and fear. We always talk about this on a lot of shows that I'm on. they got two emotions, love and fear. Mm-hmm. And when you, if, if fear is the lack of love or resentment or any of these other feelings that you're talking about, the negative of feelings, that we're afraid of being loved because we don't want to get hurt. Why is the attachment thinking around love so strong? In other words, you're saying that we do attachment thinking because we're afraid that we're going to get hurt if we're loved. So when people go through relationship after relationship, divorce after divorce, doesn't matter, business partner after business partner, doesn't matter what it is. What you're saying is this hideous cycle is there because they're afraid to be a have the autonomy and they're afraid to express love and they're afraid to receive love. Absolutely. Right. It, would absolutely. that be f- a fair statement? Yep.
1: Absolutely. And we all know this from experience, you know, so uh, what, but what well, I, I, th- because the question I've actually never reflected on, you asked such a powerful question and um, um, I, ha- I hadn't actually looked at it uh, from that, uh, from, the way in which you asked the question before. So what I think is that because attachment thinking is so habitual and unconscious and it's so familiar, then we use um, that kind of thinking uh, in our relationships. And um, so therefore, if we do that kind of thinking and it's fear-based, then it's going to have all sorts of consequences which you've already Um, outlined which is fundamentally you know we push people away we don't deserve to be loved Uh, we're afraid of being loved and um, because we don't want to get hurt and because we've all been hurt because people have been um um coming from unconscious thoughts or unconscious emotions and then we have to suffer from um those uh those thoughts or those emotions and so therefore we get hurt. So, you know, it's a it's a, um, uh, an ongoing cycle, if you wish.
0: Well, unless you lived as a hermit all okay. your life, you know, in other uh, words, you lived by yourself, and all you had to deal with was your own emotions. And if you <laughs> had this down pat, you'd be okay. I think the yeah. fact is we are social animals, and yeah. the fact that we're social animals and we like being with other people, and as you say, you know, this whole organizing system of, you know, where this came from, this cognitive thinking uh, is so important because even in the animal kingdom, you know, you can take this all the way down to the the little animals that are around. Um, the, the question always says is, well, they have emotions. Yeah, they mm. do. Um, mm. They experience love, not maybe the same way that we do. They yeah. don't have the depth of thinking, though, that, of the system that we do to think through this. So you have a table at the end of your book which outlines what shows up in both types of thinking in more detail, Uh, the changes or differences in the way of being, thinking, perceiving, perceiving and living in the world. This quick reference guide, and actually I don't know if it's so quick because it's probably about six or seven pages long, uh, (laughs) highlights the differences between our destructive and authentic selves that we can be can be used for awareness indicators. Can you briefly tell the listeners what some of these, and you already alluded to a few of them just a minute ago. I heard you talk about the emotion, about what shows up, because you've got it in like a grid. And I think actually if people bought the book and all they ever did was turn to those pages and looked at what was in those charts, what she's done is she's given you a great outline of how this reactive or attachment thinking works. And what kind of emotions show up? But go ahead and tell the listeners a little bit more about that. Okay. So
1: when we go into or when we do attachment thinking, and as I've uh, said before, it's fear-based thinking. So ultimately, because the self is a construct in language, that's what it is. So therefore we, because attachment thinking is fear-based, we we construct or create a destructive self. So so that's primary. And if 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 we notice what happens when we're in attachment thinking, you'll notice that experientially um, then we'll be into self-punishment and we we go into uh, thought patterns of um, not deserving and we're not good enough and we're insecure. We lack confidence. Um, We're also victims in life and we're not in charge and uh, we live a rabbit hole of pain and despair essentially. So this is what we create um uh in attachment thinking when we come back to ourselves and autonomy it's vastly different so and again this is experiential so i'm not talking about a theory here i'm talking about what we all live when we come back to ourselves or when we're in attachment thinking so when we come back to autonomy and our authentic selves we're not victims anymore but we're in charge of our lives and um Uh, so when we're in charge of our lives, it's more about, okay, well, what do I want to do? What do I need to do instead of being a victim and not knowing or it's too hard or it's too difficult? And and there we don't want to take responsibility. Um, So we're also, when we come back to ourselves, we're also conscious and aware and we can think and act with clarity and awareness and act with responsibility for our preferences of what we do and don't want or the impacts and consequences of our thoughts, choices, and decisions. So we don't do any of that when we're in attachment thinking. We don't take responsibility or think about um, the impacts and consequences of our thoughts or our emotions or our choices and decisions. Well, Uh, because ultimately we're blind and we don't see what we're doing. Well, yeah,
0: and and you know what, it's, you call this attachment thinking, but actually it's like a repetitive motion disease, right? We're in the same pattern, this this pattern, I always tell people, and I've said this on so many shows, if a camera followed you along all day long and videoed you and you watched the camera back, would you like what you saw? And (laughs) you know, I look at it and I go, there's so much that we can do to change that. Now, one of the things that you say the consequences of how we think has proven to be very powerful in terms of how we be, think, perceive, act, and live in the world. We have only touched briefly on this. What are some of the larger consequences? You know, I read in a book that how we think is responsible for the pain and suffering in our lives, and we create a delusional world in attachment thinking because... When we come back to our authentic selves and do reflective thinking, that world is not there anymore. So explain to the listeners a bit more about what are some of the consequences that we need to be aware of, and finally, what options do we have for the listeners where they can learn more about including, or I should say, breaking the cycles that we were just talking about?
1: Yep. Um, well, the power of how we think, and, and we've only just briefly uh, touched on all of this um, uh, in our conversation, um, but the power of how we think is enormous. So, so um, in attachment thinking, uh, because it's fear-based, we, we generate and create all the emotions that we, that we suffer from and that we're trying to overcome and through various tools and methods and uh, etc. So we also create destructive thought um, patterns. We create a rabbit hole, um, and we also go into, um, as I just alluded to, uh, being uh, victims of life. So, and we also create a past that is that is um, um, full of uh, pain and suffering and trauma. So, um, and also we hold out, due to the fact that it's fear-based, we also hold ourselves back and we don't, um, due to all sorts of fears uh, that are ultimately false because when we come back to ourselves, those fears aren't there. So it's a massive insight into the huge illusion or delusion that we create when uh, when we do um, attachment thinking. So... Um, and as I said before, you know, when we come back to ourselves, that, that that is not there. So from a bigger picture perspective, fundamentally, this is also a huge insight into how we create um, fear and trust, which are the two, um, essentially the two cycles of life.
0: So, well, and, um, and I think the important point, Jane, is that you want to make with this book and possibly even your other books, but it's particularly this one is, Here's a tool that can be used to allow yourself to wake up, one, two. And you have courses that people can take from your website. And I want to make sure that we get this in. If you go to Jane C-U-L-L dot com, and you look on the courses, there you will find her courses. Um, and she has Breaking the Cycle of Negative Thinking, change, Taking Charge of Your Life, um, I would highly encourage my listeners to go there and check this out because it's an opportunity for you to connect directly with Jane and to go through these courses that she's got. Also we are going to put Jane links to your book on um, our blog entry. Uh, There are two options there for the courses. She's got two uh, uh, pricing options for the courses, the full course option one, Uh, including the book, and also option two, the bonus, which is a little bit more money, but it also includes one hour of consulting with her as well, plus joining the Facebook community. Jane, we're going to put links to your website, which is beautifully done. It's a gorgeous Mm -hmm. website. Also to your books, which we will put links in the blog to as well. And I encourage all my listeners to please reach out to Jane. That's Jane Cull. And go to Amazon, our link, we'll have a link in there as well for that. And we'll put other links up there for Jane. Are there any parting words you'd like to leave for the listeners before we wrap up this interview, Jane?
1: Um, no, um, I just want to say thank you. And uh, thank you for um, the incredible questions that you asked me. Um, And I truly hope that what we've discussed today
0: um, will help a lot of people. Well, I'm sure it will, because just the fact, number one, I've been doing this for just this for 14 years prior to that, a (laughs) study of personal growth for a very long time. Attachment thinking was something new to me. Uh, Reflective thinking was new to me. Autonomy was not. But those two terms, the way you use them in the book, to actually uh, create language, which was understandable, was really well done. And I think my listeners will get that. Um, It's pretty easy. We've heard it, but maybe this is, you know, I always tell people, you can read something once, you can read it twice, you can read it a third time. Maybe it takes the fourth time for you really to get it. Mm. Um, And then you get it. So this is going to be something you're going to want to listen to this interview, not just once, because you're not going to get this the first time through. Uh, You may not even get it the second time through, but listen to it. Go to Jane's course, get one of her books, understand what we're talking about, because this will, if you use the tool, it will transform your life. You can actually get out of that delusion and you can live a life that's really you. And I know you're going to say to me, well, Greg, I already am me. And I'm going to say, probably (laughs) not, because 99% of the people walking the globe aren't who you think you are. And the enlightened masters who came to this planet, those people knew who they were, okay? Uh, and there were many of them. I mean, we look at Mother Teresa and Gandhi and all the others. Those people, Dalai Lama, they those people know who they are and they know why they're here. And I'd ask you to say, why am I here? What am I doing here? And can I awaken to what I can really become? And the power that Jane's giving you to actually do that. This is actually the tool, it's like having a a powerful screwdriver, pardon the term, but you have a power driver, right? The ones that have batteries, but you have no battery. This is actually like having the battery to plug in the bottom to be able to make the drill work. So at any rate, go go get this, go look at it. Jane, thanks so much for being on Inside Personal Growth and sharing your wisdom and expertise with us.